Hello and welcome to the Smart Play podcast. Um, in this episode, I am joined by Olga Denisova. Um, Olga is the VP of Marketing at SEMrush. And, uh, and today we're going to be talking all about uh, an email campaign that she ran um, over at SEMrush and uh, I'm digging into that a little bit. Hi, Olga. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> and thanks for, for the intro. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, been excited to get you on and sort of dig into um, the, the stuff that you've been working on over at SEMrush. And uh, this kind of um, started, I reached out to you um, because I saw a post that you'd put out um, with some incredible stats. Um, it looks like you've been working on, on some amazing stuff in the email world um, and getting some great results sort of over the past two years. Um, so we'll dig into that in a second. But if you just want to tell us a bit about yourself and, uh, and sort of your story and then we'll go from there yeah of course yeah there has been a lot that we've done uh, within email marketing in SEMrush uh, I've been with SEMrush for three years now prior to that um, I had experience in startups all types of startups mostly IT and also bigger enterprise experience running campaigns in Veeam uh, which is more like enterprise company data production leader and uh, uh, in short I would say that I spent like almost 15 years uh, doing marketing in IT. So I, oh, wow. <laughs> I have been through a lot and I've done a lot. And uh, this is what uh, uh, I think makes my journey really, really exciting uh, just because I have hands-on experience across many fields. But at the same time, since it's very rapidly developing industry and very de uh, rapidly developing niche, uh, we, if we talk about like marketing, there is so much more for me to learn like it's everyday learning and i'm quite sure we're going to tackle that as well within email marketing like you sure. need to learn every single day yeah it's amazing um how many of these conversations i have and it always comes back to like just constant learning i think as a marketer you have to have that about you you have to be somebody that enjoys learning and just running with constant change um so yeah no definitely really cool um and, and definitely interesting to sort of see a bit more about your background there quite um quite a, a story and, and some time in the trenches um oh, yes. cool. so uh I'll, I'll let you sort of i've got i've got the post up here with with some stats on it but i'll, I'll let you tell us a bit about the um sort of the shift into email and uh, uh, um, why you guys decided to to dive into that and we'll, we'll go from there yeah so uh, first when i joined samrush i uh, quickly realized that uh, there is tons of potential with this particular channel just because uh in veeam uh in many campaigns like up to 60 percent of purchases were done through email channel and the samrush stats were totally different they were way lower and uh, for me it was like okay we can definitely ramp up our game there uh but it's not only about the very quick and direct impact on the sales uh email is also very very cost effective especially nowadays right when cpc um is rising and there is like tougher competition and paid advertising as your game uh requires quite long-term high investments and email is kind of uh you know a knight <laughs> in shining armor in terms of uh, cost effectiveness another benefit that i see uh, for email channel is immediate almost immediate life cycle in terms of 
immediate access to insights. So uh, let's compare it to paid or to SEO. You want to test something, you need to wait for paid at least a couple of weeks while campaign is getting traction, right? For yeah, SEO. you don't get instant insights. You, you, you can't make decisions straight away and yeah. Exactly. For SEO, it will be even longer. Within email, you can run the, uh, run a test and be quite confident about results within three days. So, and and this is like almost immediate access to really valuable insights. And uh, uh, another thing on top of uh, cost effectiveness, in terms of uh, very uh, quick direct impact on purchases and immediate experimentation, it is very much personalized, and it means that it's the only channel where where you can establish this very personal connection to every single user. Again, no other channel can boast that. And uh, yeah. last but not least, you get access to users who are mostly pre-converted, right? So here is, we're talking about definitely bottom of the funnel because they already trust you enough with giving their personal information, which is email, and you also get access to their undivided attention. Again, it's not the case when we talk about SEO or especially about paid. So tons of benefits. And uh, my take on that was we definitely need to give it a better try. Yeah. So uh, amazing. So you've sort of come in, you've seen that there's like this huge opportunity there within your with your background, but also like, why aren't we executing on this and why like there's too many benefits to ignore um yeah i love it um and i think a lot of people um they like they see these sort of opportunities but they don't really know where to go and they're like oh, i don't yeah but, but just when you weigh up that many pros and cons it just makes good sense right yes yes uh to your point everyone i think i've never met a marketer who would say that yeah they they don't believe in email complete, completely. Though recently I have stumbled upon a, several posts uh, in LinkedIn saying that email is dead. <laughs> uh, and my answer to that is like, guys, you probably don't know how to cook it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, um, I I wrote a post about this recently myself and, uh, and like it's a big bugbear of mine. I'm like, very few channels are actually dead. If you know what you're doing with them and they work for your audience, you're going to get results. Um, and email, of all things, I think is far from dead. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, And in general, my take on marketing is that there is no uh, silver bullet. At the same time, there is no dead channel. It's always that you either don't know how to work with that or, again, you lack insights, but there is no easy uh, wins anymore. Hey, it's sure. not uh, 2014 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when you would introduce a referral program and it's going to be like, boom. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Well, going back to the email channel, it means that if your email marketing channel is not working, you need to uncover it like onion, like layer by layer. And in our case, it was a lot of fundamental uh, mistakes. So uh, first and foremost, um, and this is a usual case in many companies, in many companies. I would say probably 90% of companies who do email, they usually um, they usually do email marketing communications in a very 
irregular manner. The usual thing is, okay, we've got some huge press release, uh, uh, press release or product release coming. Why don't we do an email blast? And then boom, there is an email blast. So it's usually sporadic, unconnected messages. Sure. And obviously it's not converting because, hey, all of us are also users and we don't appreciate like random it's messages. Exactly. And uh, but but again, in many companies, in the majority of companies, email is a serving function. It's on the receiving end of product marketing, of campaign management. So they usually come to them. But usually there is like dozens of people and they say, OK, I want this email. I, I want that email. And so email is like, OK, we need to marry all of it somehow. But mm -hmm. sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they do not. And we quickly realize that, OK, we cannot live with this again unconnected uh like uh one stand messages we need to connect it somehow and this is when we came up with this idea of okay why don't we introduce regular types of mass emails newsletters tied to a certain uh pain point and sure. uh, tied to certain audience so for example th there are a lot of marketers in the seminars database and they they aspire to be a CMO someday. So why don't we introduce CMO newsletter and uh, share like all the insights from the executive level on marketing? On the other side, okay, we need to educate people about how they can market, not necessarily with the use of SEMrush, but also with the use of SEMrush. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and this is where we introduced educational newsletter, and it was a regular communication. It is still <laughs> a regular communication where we educate users. We do not sell them anything. We we say, okay, this is what you can do, and this is how we can help you succeed. And people, users, well, we all love uh, repetitiveness, and mm -hmm. we all love what we are familiar with. Yeah. And the moment when you gain the trust that, hey, every single week or every single month, you're going to find really great insights, tips and tricks in our educational newsletter. This is when it starts working. So there is no random e emails in your mailbox anymore. And people actually look forward to your emails because yeah. you know what to expect and they are confident in the quality of the content. So this was, I would say, the paradigm shift in general, how we perceived email. So going from serving function, we ended up with owning function. So we came to the marketing teams and this, and we said, okay, this is the types of newsletters we want to produce. These are the types of automated tracks that we, we want to produce. These are our expectations from content, from content. And this is when the whole game changed. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I, I mean, a, a huge paradigm shift there. Um, so I, I guess I've got a couple of questions that I'd love to find out a bit more about then. So the first thing to me, like having worked in like various teams and stuff like that is like, how do you get everybody on board with like, okay, we're focusing our thing needs to contribute towards email effort. Yeah. Uh, I'm a firm believer in targets. We need to have shared targets and it should be a two-way street. So if I come to any product marketing person and say, okay, I need content, and the other person doesn't get anything in return, it's like, okay, they're doing me a favor, and it's, at some point, the, their motivation is going to decline because, hey, to be fair, they have their own agenda, they have their own priorities. So for me, it's about aligning targets between different teams. So to give you an example, um, 
we work with uh, units, uh, pro product marketing units, and they have their own KPIs in terms of purchases, in terms of trials. And uh, we partner with them. We say, okay, this is how many trials or revenue we can generate through the given activities. And so once we're able to map targets and have joint targets, it's like it's no competition of uh, goals anymore. It's the same game and we're in the same team. Yeah, you know, I love that. Um, uh, and that's all that mentality shift again. It's all about shifting like the internal thinking. Um, so yeah, really, really cool. And I, I guess once you've got everybody to shift that thinking and everybody's going in the right direction, then you can start to make real change, right? Yeah, absolutely. And another thing here, and this is very essential, for years, email marketers used to report on open rates, send rates, de deliverability, CDR, click to open rate. And for many other marketers, it's like, okay, what is it? <laughs> Why would I care? And so it's so essential to measure email marketing by generated revenue by business metric. So this is where you are aligned with everyone else uh, across the board because you report on money and you report on actual very tangible value that you produce. Not like, oh, we increased our open rate. And, yeah. <laughs> and the minimum. What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what is good and what is bad and like, uh, yeah what does it mean for me what does it mean for companies so always measure email marketing by revenue or as close to revenue as you can get mqls sqls etc sure yeah no that makes a lot of sense um really cool so i mean you've kind of touched on a lot of stuff there um i guess just before i move on i'll quickly just read out uh, some of the stats that you shared um because they're super impressive and I, I think it will just give people um a little bit of insight into the stuff that you've been working on and, and what the outcome has been um so uh just re looking at your post um that you initially put out it was uh sort of around two years ago that you started um heavily focusing on email um and then to just read out some of the numbers uh you're looking at like 119 percent increase uh in sends um 200 year over year increase in active email users and 33 percent increase in paying customers via email programs um which of course is the is the big one um like you were just saying that's the bit that matters right um so yeah really really amazing stuff there um so i guess to dig a bit deeper into the strategy um and sort of the next phases of that um the other bit that i would love to know so you mentioned like you've got marketers that are interested in becoming cmos you've got um you know these educational letters like how do you figure out okay these are the people that we're going to target like this is the right group within marketing that we want to sort of start building relationships and and sort of how did you narrow down the targeting there yeah uh, i would say that we target uh, we tried different types of targeting um i won't bore you with all the detail i i'll jump straight to what is working for us and this is a segmentation and targeting based on customer journey so um we literally like the whole email marketing team and me included we walked in customers shoes okay so what is like their first interaction what's their second interaction so what are they interested in day one versus day seven and aligning all email marketing communications to customer journey is essential because in this case you don't interrupt you actually help oh this is your day one this is what we would recommend you doing so that's um 
segmentation principle number one, aligning content and segmentation to customer journey. Uh, segmentation principle number two was about uh, users' personas. And this is, I would say, quite typical, right? So every company has different persona types. We do, uh, we also do have three types, but also on top of that, uh, we segment by products that users show their interest in. So again, we, we don't want to sell specific product. Instead, we want to understand your interest and then serve you the necessary content. And uh, uh, I can also share our, uh, unsuccessful experience uh, since you already know what worked for us uh also want to share what yeah is. please I'd, I'd be fascinated to find yeah, out rfm model like a uh, recency frequency monetary uh, model where you segment by these parameters so we tried it we worked hard for like half a year and oh. it never really kicked off and i think the reason for it is because it it lacks um individuality it lacks personalization because um uh, you basically have like several gigantic buckets mm -hmm. and they don't have any again individual appeal and approach to that so again you see that i'm very likely to convert that i visited the product uh, recently and quite frequently but what type of content uh, should i send to you like yeah. this product what is your interest and uh, so you see some yeah which is really like the whole point of targeting in the first place right you want to make sure that the person you're speaking to is getting the best message for them not just oh we're going to put you into this persona type and here's a message that fits you and a million other people like it needs to be more personal than that um so exactly. yeah no it makes sense yeah exactly uh, so uh this is my anti-recommendation <laughs> never use rfm model and uh, try to again fit into customer shirts very uh very highly recommend go and register on your product if you've done this exercise before it's never too late to do it again i, I do it on a regular basis and gosh it's always a revelation it's like oh okay so now it works this way because there are so many things that you can learn every time yeah yeah no i love that um uh, and sort of uh, amazing sort of lesson there to take through for a lot of people i suppose um uh, and would you say that i mean i think you mentioned a bit but you wouldn't try to map that model again you just don't think it works in general or um yeah um so i worked in two companies like it was with giant email databases it didn't work in both <laughs> so, okay <laughs> so again this is like my personal approach yeah of course <laughs> Probably it works for someone, uh, but uh, again, if you already see, I'm a big fan of personalization. Yeah. And this is also one of our key learnings, and this is our uh, key target, to personalize as much as possible. And within RFM model, it's more about, again, frequency, like being uh, very up to speed to serve the message, but it never actually helps you understand what type of message you want to send so uh the, the biggest learning for us also was that it's really hard to understand you know um with very high um credibility to prove that okay if user has been that many times within the product they're going to buy i mean and within rfm model you kind of have to establish you know this threshold these boundaries okay this is frequent enough this is not frequent enough and so you end up either with over segmentation with too many buckets and you're not sure okay so how should i 
message to person who has been on the product 12 times versus 50 times so no. again, for me it was not really insightful but yeah no please do share with me anyone uh please do share with me if you have had positive experience with them. So i will be all ears yeah me. we'd love to know how you got that working <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um no really cool um really really insightful and just uh, i mean you keep mentioning it but i love the personalization dutch i love the fact that you keep coming back to like how can we make this tailored for the individual? How can we make it a better content experience, a better consumer experience, and let that sort of build into um, sales and stuff? Um, it's a great approach, and I love the, the mentality there. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think you've kind of just shared the biggest one, um, but like, were there any other lessons that you think you'd take away from um, sort of the, the campaign and the, and the strategy and the stuff that you've been working on that you'd sort of want to share with us? yeah of course i think one of my biggest lessons was uh that there is no industry practice best practice mm -hmm. you need to establish your own industry best practice uh so to give you an example when it comes to personalization uh the immediate first step is okay you need to use a person's name otherwise it's not going to work and uh, surprisingly but adding or not name of a person of a recipient never actually has driven a change for us in the results so Amazing. no uh none of our metrics changed actually and yeah. at the same time there were uh like sudden uh sudden learnings like uh the uh the gender of the sender so we found out that if uh, an email comes from a female person people are more likely to open it at the same time if it comes from a male person uh they are more likely to click on it and so uh it was kind of uh weird learning i would yeah. say it was like okay this is like so weird and this is probably what uh, needs a further study and research uh, but my key point here is when you read something that, okay, it worked perfectly for SEMrush or for Veeam or for any other company, don't take it with a, uh, with a grain of salt. So experiment, uh, put an experiment mm -hmm. and then see how it works for you specifically. Yeah. Uh, ideally, instead of reading best practices, uh, go to your salesperson and talk to them, do research in your database and find the insights there. And within your experiments, uh, within your experiment schedule, go from your database insights, from your salesperson insights, and then from industry best practices, because it's all very, very individual. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, a big thing that you touched on there was like speaking to the salespeople and stuff like that. So I've worked in um, a lot of companies where we might not have much data where it's sort of a startup or whether it's a smaller business there's not a lot of data to work with and I think the industry best practices they tend to be great as a starting place to experiment but you do need to treat it that way you need to be okay I'm going to give that a go because it worked for them but it's an experiment let's learn from it let's try something else yes. and then if you don't have a lot of data speak to the sales people speak to your customers try and learn from them because that's data as well right yeah and the way that we can use all the industry best practices uh is not necessarily go and adopt this the, the same very thing but 
instead try to get the essence of it like the main idea of it and then apply to it so let's say okay i just shared the case with the name uh with the uh with the person's name so instead of okay person's name are not going to work for us now instead you can think about okay so should we test it or uh, have we done it before so in other words try to get the principle of it not the exact same uh replicate the exact same thing within your experience yeah great advice love that um thank you um okay um so sort of sticking with this theme of like lessons and tips and stuff like that um if you were to go back and sort of start this all over again or um if you had if you, if you went to another company or maybe not that but if, if somebody was in a similar position to you um, what tips and advice would you give them to sort of kick things off? Yeah, I would say the very first thing that you should do is establish a network of partnerships. Um, and uh, email marketers, they're not content creators. They're not uh, market researchers. And uh, uh, email marketers usually focus on, again, very specific email metrics like deliverability and technical execution, technical implementation. So how do, do I set up the necessary triggers? How do I get the necessary data points, etc.? But the point is you get successful when you function on the verge of several areas. So your email marketer you're an email marketer expert, but you also understand what content you need to deliver or you're very well versed when it comes to data um, and obviously you cannot be you know jack of all trades <laughs> and you need to find partners who yeah. will be advising you of again what type of content to put there and uh, uh, this is where i can share uh, the way that we started working on the content uh, of our emails so Again, before it was uh, that email marketing used to be, again, a serving function. Okay, we get the content, we get this design, we send it. That's it. Yeah. At some point, we're like, wait, but we know all email marketing communications that go out. Shouldn't we also have a say in terms of what should be created? But we're not writers, so what should we do? And this is when we established this very close partnership with, uh, with our organic team who are actually experts in SEO. And we said, okay, this is what we are expecting expecting in terms of content outline. Like these are the points that we can get. These are, you know, the topics that perform for us, headlines that perform for us. But at the same time, we the content creation is handed over to them because we're not naive that we <laughs> believe that sure. we're going to create great newsletters. We're no SEO experts. So this is where content writers come into place but they already have some guidance from us. And this is what made our content like, you know, really, really insightful. This partnership, we provide you with insights. Yeah. You provide us with content based on uh, these insights. So my advice, go and find partners. Yeah, great advice. Great <laughs> advice, I love it. Um, uh, and sort of build those relationships and get the two-way street going again, right? yeah exactly yeah cool. yeah cool um that's amazing um was there uh, i guess uh, before i uh before i move on and wrap things up i'm very aware of time's up but, but was there any other big sort of things that you wanted to share or big tips you wanted to share with people um from the campaign and from the, the everything you've learned 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that also was a big learning for us is the visual part. Um, I hope not to offend anyone, but we're getting lazy nowadays. We don't want to read longer emails. We don't want to uh, to actually, you know, go and find, you know, this thing that we are looking for. Instead, we want to see a funny video or, you know, a really good infographics. And the visual part cannot be underestimated in email. Um, our previous versions of emails were really liking this visual appeal. I mean, they were fine and many companies would be more than happy with that. Uh, but uh, again, sometimes they were liking, uh, you know, this, I would say tone of voice, but in the visual part, they, sure. they were kind of boring. <laughs> and so this is when we partnered with the creative team and they say, okay, so why don't we add some, you know, color, some mood to our emails. And this is when we opened, you know, the creative box <laughs> and we got a dedicated email designer and uh, it, it kind of turned around the whole, uh, the whole game. Yeah. Like, I love to see what our emails look like nowadays. So not only we have like really uh, structured drafts in general, it, it's very visually appealing and it also impacted our performance dramatically. So this is something that I would love uh, to add. Yeah, what a great point. Because I think myself included, actually, I'm guilty of this. Whenever I think about email, I, I my brain doesn't, immediately think of graphics um you know i'm, I'm thinking about yeah. content i'm thinking about subject lines i'm thinking about um things like that but uh, graphics and imagery is very low down um on the on the list of things in my brain i suppose um so a, a great point to add um and i'm sure something that a lot of people um would benefit from playing from a bit more yeah yeah but yeah um no i love that thank you um but before we wrap things up i would also say um that uh you share some some great stuff on linkedin um lots of sort of tips and insights on your world but also just good strategic advice for, for people in marketing and stuff like that um so definitely go give you a follow on linkedin um and yeah thank you for, for sharing the story with us and stuff like that it's, it's been really uh really interesting thank you thank you so much for this conversation imagine or not but while talking i was like oh gosh we learned a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's always cool to reflect on these things right yeah. um when, when it, and i always think that's crazy like whenever you um actually i found it a lot when i started posting on linkedin and you get more reflective on the stuff that you've worked on in the past you're like oh actually like we've done quite a lot in the past however many months yeah. like we've learned quite a lot of stuff over x many years uh, so yeah no great point um yeah. and a, and a great final note um thank you uh for coming on and uh it's great to chat Thank you. Thank you so much. You have a good one. <laughs>